First John, First John, a couple of Sunday nights ago, we began a little bit of a look into um, this small letter of First John. Tonight we'll do that again and consider some thoughts, some truths out of this book that I trust will give us a bit of help this week and tonight. The title of our message is, How is Your Fellowship? How is your fellowship tonight? <clears throat> we'll ask that of yourself, and I encourage you to do that. And let the Bible <clears throat> ask that of us, and let's answer scripturally and truthfully uh, this evening. <clears throat> How is your fellowship? John writes this letter. <clears throat> Excuse me. John writes this letter. He's writing to Christians. He's writing to believers there's a very important aspect and very important truth that we understand he's writing to believers out of this passage. Uh, we know that because of the many times that we see him use the word children. We see in chapter 2 and verse number 1, my little children, <clears throat> John the apostle, disciple and the apostle of Jesus Christ, is writing to the, to the children, those who are in the family, those who are part of the family of God. He mentions again out of verse number 12, I write unto you little children. Verse number 13, I write unto you fathers because you have known him as from the beginning. I write unto you young men because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you little children because you have known the father. Little children who have known the father come to know Christ. He mentions it again in verse number 18, little children. Verse number 28, and now little children and we go on we could cite other verses but we know this out of this truth out of these words that we see that John is writing to the believer to those who are born again in Christ and one of the grand themes that we find out of this letter is that John brings forth the idea of fellowship fellowship I like fellowship don't you I think it's interesting uh, when you have fellowship, people flock to that, and that's a good thing. Uh, I wish that people flocked to this kind of fellowship as much as they flocked to other kinds of fellowship. Uh, people will pay a lot of money and for a lot of uh, dollars for, for a ticket to go to see something that's not really fellowship. You can't really fellowship in that kind of environment. When you come to this environment, this is truly fellowship. So John brings forth the idea of fellowship, particularly <coughs> John starts uh, his purpose or he states his purpose in chapter number one. I want you to read with me, uh, follow along as I read chapter number one in verse one and following, that which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested <clears throat> unto us. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also <clears throat> may have, here's the word, <clears throat> fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. 
And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. We don't really make him a liar in the sense that he becomes a liar. Uh, We... Uh, are arguing with God. And we can't argue with God. God is no liar. What God says is true. Let every man be a liar and let God be true. But if we say, if we claim, if we say this, we make him a liar and his word, his word is not in us. So the idea here is of fellowship. Fellowship, as we think about it tonight, involves a oneness. It involves a oneness between two parties. A oneness between at least two parties. There could be more involved, but a oneness between at least two parties. A a relationship, you may call it. A husband and wife, a a friendship, uh, and on and on and go. A a sister, a sibling, a a brother, a sister relationship, and on and on. There could be many there, but it, it involves a oneness between two parties. Fellowship. There's a fellowship involves a oneness with another individual that sees the same and agrees with the same things and has communion, if we will, and we'll notice that word again in a few moments, with you. And you can come together in oneness and have fellowship. True fellowship requires a common connection, a common connection. You ever been around somebody that, Maybe you just tried to connect with, but you just, as much as you tried, it just didn't seem like there was anything there. It was very difficult because there was little or no fellowship. It was hard to find that connection, that oneness, that ability to connect with another individual. So true fellowship requires that connection, a common bond, you might call it, that you have with another individual. It involves... One another's. The Bible in First John here mentions one another's. Fellowship involves the one another's. First uh, John chapter one and verse number seven. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. Uh, if you go to First John three verse number eleven, we see another time where we see the, the one another's. This idea of <coughs> fellowship. For this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. If we look at verse number 23 of chapter 3. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. If we look at chapter 4 and verse number 7, beloved, let us love one another Chapter 4, verse number 11, beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No man hath seen God any time. If we love one another, God's, uh, God dwelleth in us and his love is perfected in us. So we see that fellowship is born out of a one another kind of to connection, a bond that's there. There's the oneness of fellowship, the oneness of fellowship. Uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 7 and 8. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, 
and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. There are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood. These three agree in one. <clears throat> here we have the word spoken of here, of course, is Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit and we have the Father. <clears throat> All three in perfect oneness in fellowship. The Trinity is here uh, put together in scriptures. We see it clearly. We see it plainly. All three have oneness in fellowship. <clears throat> now oneness in fellowship requires several things. Oneness in fellowship requires communion. <clears throat> I mentioned that word just a few moments ago. Koinonia is the Greek word there. But the idea is that of fellowship. Mutual interests. An entering in of communion. Gathering. We celebrated the Lord's table <clears throat> last Sunday evening. What a sweet time it was. What we did, we celebrated communion, the Lord's table. We entered in remembering and being brought to memory and celebrating what Christ has, did for us, has done for us until he comes. There is that communion, that fellowship that we have together. So oneness requires communion. Oneness requires company. You can talk to yourself all day long. But there's a problem if talk, self talks back quite regularly. In particular, if you start arguing with yourself, there's no communion with yourself. It takes two people. It takes a party of two. So there's a company that must bring about this fellowship. When you have fellowship, you have a contribution. A contribution. You're giving something. Now, we live in a world that is not about contribution, but it's about consumerism. What can get me? What can you give me? What can you do for me? Uh, but when true fellowship takes place, there has to be a contribution. It's not just about the taking. It is about the giving. Fellowship is not consumer-driven. It's caregiving. Caregiving. That's true fellowship. Caring one for another, entering into that true fellowship. How can I bless you? How can I be a service to you? How can I pray for you? What can I do to encourage you? And when a church, when a local body of believers gather together and enter into this kind of fellowship, can I tell you, it's out of this world. The world would look at it, it is out of the world, it's heavenly. The world would look at it and say, you folks are some of the strangest people on planet earth. Because of the fellowship. It's two or more partners or parties contributing to the likes and the needs of another. There is a partnership of mutual focus, of mutual direction, a commonality of interests. You have things in common. I hope that you have learned, that we men, that we have learned to fellowship with our wives and our wives have learned to fellowship with us through that communion through that company we enjoy that through that contribution if we don't do that then it can be a lonely place around the home that's why we had the marriage conference why we put on the marriage conference one of the main and key ingredients in every marriage conference is this idea idea of communication communication common interests 
There are no common interests. Where there are no common interests, there can be no continual fellowship. So we see that these are key ingredients in fellowship. John mentions some common interests in regard to what fellowship is. The common interest is found in the opening statement. What do we to have this common interest? When we consider fellowship, and I'm talking tonight about the fellowship of believers, the fellowship of the local church, the fellowship of, of those who, have a, who are children, little children in some cases, mature children, but all of us children of the Lord. But some common interests. <clears throat> what can we find as common interests with regards to fellowship and what should we find? Paul lays, a, excuse me, John lays a few of these out for us in his very first opening statement out of verse number one of chapter one. <clears throat> and he mentions this statement, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which you have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. That which was from the beginning. John lays the foundation for true Bible fellowship here in the very opening statement of verse number 1. That which was from the beginning. Who's he talking about here? Well, he answers is the question for us. The word of life. Who, pray tell, is that? That's Jesus Christ, of course. Uh, first, or John chapter we know the passage, John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. You hold your place here, and you may want to take a look at that. Some of you <clears throat> certainly are able to quote that. John chapter 1, that which is from the beginning. <clears throat> In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. He's talking about Jesus Christ. We know this because verse number 14, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here we see that this common interest, this common uh, bond of fellowship is found in Jesus Christ. Found in Jesus Christ. Uh, this beginning, we can consider beginnings. What's he talking about here? Well, we can go back to the book of Genesis in the beginning. We know that to be, to be the beginning of time. When Jesus, if you will, uh, puts his hand into that, uh, that grandfather clock and, and, and pulls that, that pendulum back and he lets it go and time begins. In the beginning, we understand the beginning from the beginning there. But John tells us that we just read here a moment ago, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning. When was that? Before Genesis. We can't conceive of that. You see, God is not bound to time. We are. Before time was, God was. Before time was, Jesus Christ was. And so the common bond that we find here in this area of fellowship is found in the very opening statement, that which was from the beginning. The common interest is in Jesus Christ. Do you have a common interest in Jesus Christ with other believers? I hope that our common bond and the thing that, that fellowship, that brings that fellowship together is the bond that we have, the commonality, the, 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 uh, the truth Jesus living in us. And I hope that's what brings us together. And do you communicate that? 
Tonight, we ask for some testimonies. Thank you so much for sharing those. You know what we're really sharing? We're sharing the fellowship of Jesus Christ. What Christ did for us. What he continues to do for us. How he's answered prayer and how he's encouraged and helped us. The common interest is in Jesus Christ. The common experiences are also in Christ. He mentions as he goes on, we read the verses, but look at it again, verse 1. That which is from the beginning, which we have heard. This is the audible voice of God. Which we have seen with our eyes. This is the visible, the sight of God, which we have handled. Our hands have handled. This is the tangible part of God. They saw it. They heard him. They touched him. Listen, folks, we can too through his word. This is his written word, a more sure word. If we had, even if we had heard audibly, visibly seen, tangibly touched, we have the same ability here through the word of God. And God has the same ability to reach into our lives so that he becomes so real to us. And I've heard people say, God spoke to me, and it's as though I heard an audible voice, but I didn't really hear the audible voice, but it's just as though. And God can become so near and so dear in our lives, in the hardships of life, in the struggles of life, in the questions of life, that it's just as though God was there with us. Well, I didn't know how I was going to get through that time, but God was with me. How do I know I felt his presence? How do I know I knew his encouragement? I knew the joy that Jesus brings. So we see that common experience. There's a common experience that we can have just as John did with regards to Jesus Christ. There's another aspect of fellowship that's found Not only we mentioned the communion, the company, the contribution, but there is the fellowship that's found, this aspect of communication. Communication. Communication must be involved for any kind of fellowship to take place. The lack of communication is the downfall of marital status, marital relationships, and on and on it goes. John calls for a fellowship With them as they fellowship with God. As they fellowship with God. If you'll notice the verses. Verse 2. For the life was manifested and we've seen it. Notice what he says. Here's the communication. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life. Which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard and declare We unto you. There's the communication that must come in this area of fellowship. You understand that we communicate who Christ is to one another. We communicate to a lost world. There must be that communication. There must be that communication. It's an aspect of fellowship. And John calls for us. And he calls and invites us for a fellowship with them. With the disciples. With himself as he fellowships with God. And you know when you give the gospel to somebody. When you communicate the gospel. What you're inviting someone to do is to enter into a time of fellowship. With you and you together as they come to know Christ. All of you and the entire all of us are able to now enter into that fellowship with the Lord. Fellowship with God. The invitation from John is to enter into that fellowship of one another's, 
as we fellowship with God. That's what he's doing, and that's what we're really doing when we give the gospel. Fellowship is entered into with three particular areas, three areas that John identifies. So we see a little bit of what fellowship is. It's that communion, it's that company, it's that contribution, it's that communication, and we have all these in Jesus Christ. But how do we enter in? What are three aspects that and John identifies these aspects of fellowship? How do we have this fellowship? <clears throat> how do we get this fellowship? Do we have it tonight? Well, John gives us three things that I want us to consider. First of all, there's the fellowship of life. The fellowship of life. There's the fellowship of light, and then we'll alert, thirdly look at the fellowship of love. The principles that enable us to enter into fellowship. First of all, notice with me the fellowship of life. The fellowship of life. Now, if we're going to have fellowship with God, we'll have to start here. We've already mentioned it in an essence. First John chapter 5, verses 11 through 13. First John 5. <clears throat> verses 11 through 13. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. This life is in his Son. And he that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have fellowship. Here's where it begins. Do you have fellowship with God tonight? Are you in fellowship with the Lord? It begins with this matter of salvation. Are you born again? If you're not born again, there's no fellowship there. It must begin with this matter of life, entering in. You have eternal life. Go with me to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, <clears throat> verses 5 and 6. <clears throat> Philippians 1, verse 5 and 6. <clears throat> We're talking about the fellowship of life. The place to begin. Philippians chapter 1, verse 5 and 6. For your fellowship... Notice this, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. There it is. The fellowship must begin with the gospel, with the hearing, the receiving by faith the gospel of Jesus Christ. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. And by the way, you enter into that fellowship with the gospel, it's once and for all. It's not once and lost. It's not need to do it again. It's once and for all. The fellowship that from the first day, the day you enter into it, even till now, being confident of this very thing, that he which began a good work in you will perform it into the day of Jesus Christ. This is speaking again of that fellowship. Jesus Christ enters into that fellowship. You enter into that fellowship with him at salvation. And what you begin, Jesus Christ, what he begins in you, he will perform, he will complete, he will bring it to completion in you, in Jesus Christ. You begin in Christ, you continue in Christ. So we see this matter of fellowship. Go with me, to least stay here in Philippians. Go to chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 
If there be any consolation in Christ, if there be any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one of mind. What does this speak of? Fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship of the Spirit. Being, of, being like-minded, of the same love, being of one accord and one mind. He's speaking of fellowship. Chapter 3 and verse number 10 of Philippians. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. That I may know Christ, this, this resurrection power that he has and the way to enter into that resurrection power, that place of fellowship is that fellowship of his sufferings. We get baptized, we're... Buried in his likeness of his death, raised to walk in newness of life. That identification that we have in Jesus Christ. This brings us that fellowship. There must be the fellowship of life. The place that any and all fellowship begins with God is at the moment of salvation. The moment of salvation. The unsaved world may know about God, but they cannot have fellowship with God. They may be able to speak of theology and have all the books that theology's ever written. They may speak of God with all the religious trappings, but they cannot have fellowship. <clears throat> I mentioned to someone just recently, I think even today, that really when we come into to worship, what are we doing? We are fellowshipping with God. We're offering our praise and thanksgiving. And then there's a sense where I truly believe that it is only the believer, the born-again child of God, that can truly enter into this place of real worship, of real thanksgiving, of glorifying our Lord. I really believe that it is the true believer. And we come together as a body of believers. We come together to worship the Lord. And and really the believer is able to do that. And as we worship the Lord in fellowship with him, we also proclaim, we declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are in our midst who are not saved, who do not know Jesus Christ. So that when they see a crowd of people glorifying the Lord, Having that common fellowship, loving one another, loving Jesus, having that joy abounding, they simply can just sit back and say, boy, I need that in my life. I want that in my life. And I believe that is the thing that oftentimes draws people to saving faith, is when we as believers, we enter into that time of fellowship. And let me just simply say, you need to come to church. Uh, And you hear me say that often because I believe it. I really believe it. When you, when you miss out on, on the house of God, you miss out on the ministry. You miss out on being ministered to and taking the gifts that God's given to you and ministering to others. We miss out on this fellowship. I don't like it when I don't come to church, when I miss church. I don't like it. I can't remember the last time when I just made the decision not to come to church. I don't understand why anybody would want to do that. I enjoy coming. Why? Because of the fellowship. Because of the fellowship. You must be born again. It begins with this matter of life. Are you born again? Can you fellowship with Christ tonight? 
Knowing that you have eternal life in and through him. It begins there. There's a fellowship principle of life. Principle of life. You must have this life. This is where fellowship is found. Fellowship is found at the moment, at the point of salvation. <clears throat> Number two, aspect of fellowship. You must have his light. Not only must you have his, his life, that's where it's found, but you must have his light. This is how fellowship is maintained. Maintained. First <clears throat> John, go with me again to First John chapter 1, verses 5 through 10 again. You must have his light. Fellowship is maintained. First John chapter 1 verses 5 through 10. <clears throat> this is the message that we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and note and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. And if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word, his word is not in us. He's, the issue here and the matter here is the light. Jesus is light. What is this light that he's speaking of? Verse number 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. What is the light? The light is the truth of God's word. The word and the truth, they cannot be separated. They go together. The light is the truth of who God is. There's the life of his gospel and there's the light of his truth in our walk. Verse number 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another. It is in our walk. Are we walking in the truth? Walking in obedience to the word of God. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Again, a new commandment I write unto you. This thing is true in him and in you because of the darkness is past and true light now shineth. True light now shineth. Verse number 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Here he's mentioning the, the fellowship between a brother, a brother in Christ, a brother, uh, someone you know, and an acquaintance, but particularly, I believe, a brother in Christ. Uh, if we say there's no love for our brother in Christ, how can we say that there's the love of God that dwells within us? There's, we are literally walking in the darkness. This idea of, of walking in truth. Fellowship is maintained as we walk in that truth. We walk in the light. What is that? It's truth. We've mentioned it now a number of times. He says walk in the light, which is truth. He says stay out of the dark. Stay out of the dark. What's dark? Sin. Walk in the light, stay out of the dark. It doesn't seem to be all that complicated, does it? But oftentimes it can be because we complicate things, we complicate matters. 
recognize, we must recognize, he says out of verse number 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So when we come to this matter of fellowship with God, we must recognize the presence of sin. Recognize the presence of sin. Before anybody can come to the Lord and by way of salvation, there must be the recognition that they're a sinner. That they're a sinner. But even after we come to the Lord, there is that recognition of the presence of sin. Paul is teaching us here that we are to flee from the practice of sin. Flee, make it a practice in your life to flee from that kind of practice, that practice of sin. Do you make that something that's recognizable in your life? Are we aware of things? Are we aware of sin and what it looks like? Sin will, when sin comes to our life, sin will not lose our relationship, but sin will cost us our fellowship. Sin will cost us our testimony. Sin will cost us our usefulness. And and let me just say here that so often young people, and I encourage our young people, I just want to encourage you to stay close to the Lord. Stay close to mommy and daddy. And mommy and daddy, you better stay close to the Lord because they're staying close to you. Church, where's the church? Me as your pastor. We need to stay close to the Lord because people are following and watching. And I just, it burdens my heart because so many times as a young person, and and we have the idea of, well, they're just sowing their wild oats. But in the sowing of the wild oats, oftentimes things transpire and things come into life that literally enables that individual to go on to live a life in certain manners, in certain areas for the Lord. doesn't mean that sin's not forgiven, and it is. But there are certain things because of the baggage that we pick up the baggage that we drag with us into our adult life from our teenage years that oftentimes hinder and so many times we cannot even hardly get over that we just continue to drag through life even into our mature years. Flee from the practice of sin so we not lose our relationship if once truly saved, always saved. But we can lose our fellowship with the Lord. John is writing to Christians so that they may, t- may maintain, so that we may maintain our fellowship with the Lord. Sin is present. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. What is he talking about here? He's not talking about sinless perfection. He's not talking about this at all. But think about this matter of sin. If we confess our excuse me, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. How about our attitudes? You ever had a bad attitude? You ever had a bad attitude about your spouse? You ever had a bad attitude about somebody down at church? Bad attitude about God? How about sometimes our acts? Have you as a Christian ever done anything that you just look back and say, Boy, man, I'd say I did that. Well, I need to pick up a phone and call and fix that. Our, our attitudes, our actions, the sin of commission. I know God wants me to do something, but I, 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 the omission and commission. I know God wants me to do something, but I'm just not going to do it. I know God doesn't want me to do this, but I'm just going to go ahead. Everybody else is. 
these kinds of things that so easily creep into our lives and we don't recognize them, but there's this matter of the presence of sin. And John is encouraging sinless behavior. So that as we grow and mature in Christ, we sin less. We make it a habit, a striving toward sinlessness, not sinless perfection. And one day, praise the Lord, we are all going to get there when he comes. I'm looking forward to that glorified body, aren't you? I'm looking forward to being that time when we meet the Lord in the air and there shall we ever be with the Lord. And he gives us that eternal heavenly body, one fitted for eternity. This one's sure not. This one's sure not. None of us have that one yet. But we in this one, as we grow in grace, as we become to look more like Jesus, as we become more obedient in our lives, what we are seeking to do is maintain the fellowship. In other words, let me encourage you tonight, keep short accounts of sin. Keep short accounts. When things are wrong, seek to make them right as quickly as we can. When there's a sin, when things have been done or the attitude is not right, seek to make it right. Keep that short account. Don't let them linger. Don't let them go forward. John here is discouraging sin in our lives. That's a good thing. We have a new nature in us. But at times, we must still deal with that old sin nature that seeks to rear its head in our lives, that fleshly nature that rises up. Uh, Romans chapter number 7, I think is a telling passage. Romans chapter number 7, verses 19 and following. Romans chapter number 7, verses 19 and following. For the good that I would do, I do not. But the evil which I would not, that I do. Now, if I do that which I would not, it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind, bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members." O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And, and Paul answers the question, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, with the mind, I may serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's speaking here that, and telling us that, that he understands there's this war that oftentimes rages within but we do not have to become captive to the war. We become victories in the war. How? Through Jesus Christ. He gives us the ability. What does this look like? Well, go with me to the book of Galatians. Chapter 5. You know where I'm going. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 25. <laughs> this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. There's that warfare. And these are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led 
of the Spirit, you're not under the law. He said, you don't have to be under that old fleshly nature. You don't have to succumb to it. You don't have to give way to it. He says, walk in the filling of the Spirit. Verse number 19, now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. He's talking about here a fellowship. Shall not inherit the fellowship, the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are of Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections thereof. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. He's talking about this matter of, of maintaining our fellowship. Of walking in the truth. Don't allow sin to be practiced. Don't allow sin to be practiced in your life in order to maintain our fellowship. But if and when, if when and if sin is practiced. And by the way, John is not giving us, the Lord and the Holy Spirit is not giving us an out for our sin. He's just bringing to fact and the reality of it. That there are times when we deal with it. There are times when it rears its head. And let me say, in the best of Christians, there are times. But when it takes place, when and if it comes, when it is practiced, Jesus Christ is the provision for it. He's the provision for it. If we go back to 1 John 1, verses 9 and 10, Paul mentioned it already. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Jesus Christ. 1 John chapter 1 verses 9 and 10. If we confess our sin. This is the provision. If we confess our sin. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned. We make him a liar. And the word is not in us. My little children. These things write unto you. That you sin not. Don't practice. And if any man sin. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitiation of our sins and not only ours, not ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And whereby do we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. You see what he's talking about? Fellowship. Hereby do we know that we know him. Hereby do we know that we are in fellowship with God. How? By keeping his commandments. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected, whereby we know that we are in him. Fellowship. He that saith, I abide in him, ought to also himself, excuse me, in him himself also, so to walk even as he walked. Here it is, this matter of fellowship, maintaining our fellowship, walking in the light. Question tonight, are we walking in the light? Is there any darkness in us? Are we harboring, are we hiding, are we setting aside anything that would hurt our fellowship with God? Fellowship is found in his life. 
That's where it begins. Fellowship is maintained in his light. That's where it's maintained. That's where it continues. And fellowship, and lastly, and I'm done, I'm over time. Fellowship is communicated in his love. It's communicated in his love. We go to chapter 3, 1 John, verse number 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Verse number 11, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 11. For in this is the message that we heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We read the verses just a few moments ago, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. Who is that? That's this body of believers. To love the brethren. Do you love the brethren tonight? I dare say that you do. Because that's evidence in the fact that you're here tonight. We love the brethren. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. We go to chapter 4, verses 7 and following. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God. Toward us, because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him, enter into that fellowship, and now to communicate that fellowship. Here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man hath seen God in any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Here in his love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment, but that fear but he, excuse me, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. The fellowship is communicated. How is it communicated? In love. If we have the love of God in our heart, we'll have the love of God in our life for others to see. Have you, have found, have you tonight found fellowship in Christ? That's the life. That's where it's got to start. Are you maintaining that fellowship and walking in the light? Are we communicating that fellowship and walking in the love, communicating that love that others may see it in us? I trust that tonight you are. But maybe God spoke to a heart tonight. You say, you know what, in one of these areas, maybe I've not entered in. Tonight's the night of salvation. Maybe I've not maintained that fellowship. There's something that's come between me and the Lord. Tonight I need to make it right. God spoke to my heart about it. 
I need to maintain. And, and it's understand when I speak of the word maintain, it's like as though we have to do something. And there is an aspect where we do in the fact that we confess our sins. We acknowledge, we agree with God. And that's really what confession is, agreeing with God, saying the same thing God says. And so that we might enter into that fellowship. And God is always standing ready. He's always willing with open arms to receive us back into the fellowship. We walk in the light. Then there's the communication of it, telling others. How do we love each other and our relationships and everything that we do? In just a few days, we'll enter into a time of mission conference. You know what it's all about? It's all about fellowship, inviting others to come in. It's all about the love of Christ, maintaining ours and telling the whole world about Jesus, the fact that he loves them. That's really what it's all about. And I'm thankful to be a part of a group of believers that enjoy that so much. But let's ask God to let us do more. Continue to share the light, the love, the life of Christ. Let's bow in prayer, please. Father, thank you tonight for your wonderful grace to us. Thank you tonight for the fellowship that we all can have. And I pray that tonight we would not be just something that's spoken, not just something that's on the, the, the just on the outside, on the peripheral, on the facade, but it may be real. Some need to be saved. Maybe tonight, so maybe someone in this room, someone watching my live stream. Lord, we can all enter into a closer fellowship. Draw nigh unto God. Would you tell us? You'll draw nigh unto us. And I pray that some of us here tonight, maybe that's the case. Lord, we just simply need to draw nigh. Lord, you, you welcome that. You invite that. And Lord, I pray that you'd well with, up within us that love for, for you, first and foremost. And that love that's communicated to a lost and dying world by way of sending the gospel. So now, Lord, speak to hearts. And for all that's accomplished, Lord, only you will get the glory. We can't do anything, but you can do anything and everything. So we commend it to you now in Jesus' name. Amen.